I hadn't seen the photo before. Maybe I've mentioned this already. <laughs> That's where I'm at with things. I can't quite remember who I've said what to. I used to look at the family photo books regularly. It was a way of filling in gaps and passing time between holiday meal courses or prompting more stories. The one with the red and green pattern cover, that's the one I looked at the most. A separate book had my grandparents' lives, their young adulthood, courtship, days at the beach, marriage. The book I always grabbed was the one that had all the photos of my father and siblings as kids. I tried to put a timeline together in my head. Oh, that's when the magic marker fights happened. Uh, this was the age when he fell in a quarry. That was the erector set that we still had in our attic. And I'd wonder what the sun was like that day when they posed in their brilliant Easter outfits. I tried to remember my grandparents' house, the one I knew, with the azaleas blooming and the front yard that always smelled of fresh asphalt. Or at least I associate that smell with that driveway being recently redone. It could have just been one time, but that smell is the smell of their house in my head. Sometimes at a hardware store... <laughs> It will smell like that, and I find myself getting misty in the middle of a Home Depot. But the photo I hadn't seen was not in those books. Now, it's hard for me to look at any photos. It's been six months or so, but I just can't quite do it. I can't describe the feeling other than to say that it hurts. To know that that's what's left, and that I can't ask him about this day or that one or how often they did the driveway. And when I look at those photos, I can feel the softness of his t-shirt and I hear his laughter and I don't know why I'm talking about it. It just hurts for all the reasons loss affects us. And for me now, even right in this moment, it's a full sensory experience. And it's almost cruel that I can remember so many details with such clarity. But then when I try to conjure the person as a whole, it just turns to vapor. A blur. My mother is even harder to imagine, having been gone longer. I don't have a grasp on her anymore. It's all pieces. Individual snapshots come loose from an album, no longer glued down, all jumbled and out of order. The photo I found, uh, while clearing things out, it was in a clear plastic box frame. Not really a frame, more of a plastic cover that one would slip over a piece of cardboard that held the photo in place. The white cardboard backing had been stained by water and the plastic was fairly well scratched. But the photo was fine. The photo is of my dad, wearing a flannel shirt, his leather boots he always wore, although I can't tell if it's his work boots or not. His arm is around me and we're sitting on some rocks on the edge of a lake or a river. Now I'm in a blue hoodie and he's leaning in close, showing me something that I've forgotten or maybe it's something I know but can't recall how I ever learned it. Maybe we saw a fish. Maybe we were imagining a creature and its family. Or maybe it was just a rock. I reframed the photo and I put it up in my office. I look at it every day, thinking about all the things he ever showed me. Some of them obvious, and some of them just below the surface. We're talking about how we capture the world around us, how to remain vulnerable, and what we learn from others this week when we toss a cosmic stone into the vast expanse that is the deep night. Oh, friends, hello.
It's me, Del Seaver, and whoa, I'm happy to be your emotionally available host, guide, and guru for this next hour of regrets and revelations we call the Deep Night. We come to you tonight, as we always do, from the foul banks of the Gowanus, and oh, how I would love to visit the Gowanus, but I can't even open a window in the home without taking a hearty dose of Claritin and keeping a tall boy of lotion-impregnated tissues within arm's reach. It's sex time for trees, and wow, are they going at it. Just awash in the explosive sexual energy of Earth's deciduous beings we are. Now, some powders are the result of tree reproduction, while others are made from even more helpful stuff. Take, for instance, the wonderful AG1 from Athletic Greens. Glinda turned me on to this stuff, and I've never felt better. It's so simple. An easy change in habits that has resulted in a mountain of benefits. AG1 is a comprehensive and convenient daily health drink. It's got 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens in every serving. One scoop, eight ounces of water will help you start your day right. Now, this special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and even healthier aging. AG1 is made from the highest quality ingredients. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no chemicals, and does it taste good? <laughs> it tastes like a beach vacation. What more could you want? To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com emerging. Again, that's athleticgreens.com emerging to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily Nutritional insurance. Oh, I love insurance. <laughs> I do. Ah, it's just so uh, reassuring to know it's always there. And uh, yeah, she'll pick that up. We're all about quality content and healing energies here in the deep night, aren't we? And before we get to our guest tonight, I do want to mention that I'm honored to be performing for the first time in two years in person for a very special night at the Gramercy Theater. On Tuesday, May 3rd, I'm going to be celebrating the life of our friend, Katie Lazarus, in an event called Lazarus Rising. The night is hosted by Alex Borstein of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. It features Bridget Everett, Freestyle of Supreme, Lin-Manuel Miranda, and me, naturally. So, <laughs> a 50% chance I get bumped. <laughs> Oh, sorry, Dale, we've run out of time. But I'll wear a fresh turtleneck just in case. Uh, it's sold out, so why am I telling you other than to say that it's a fun thing that we're doing, and I'm always uh, happy to uh, do it, and I'm a little bit nervous about being in a room full of people. But okay, uh, <laughs> that's why you get the turtleneck. You can use it as a mask if you get nervous. Anyhow, uh, there may be a chance for some seats opening up. I don't know. But if not, I will report back and let you know how it all went. It's a real honor uh, to be there, obviously, among everybody there, and um, but also to pay tribute to uh, Katie, who, of course, we still miss uh, dearly. Okay. Tonight, oh, friends, <laughs> we finally got to the intro. A person with a very special tie to this show is our guest tonight. Now, I was first introduced to the work of the brilliant artist M.K. Cummins through the writer Sarah Benincasa, who was promoting a portrait that M.K. had done, and I was hooked on the lush, surreal, technicolor world of M.K.'s making. Their imagery is seductive, composed of many layers, and exists somewhere between digital, traditional, physical mediums. It is, in short, 
otherworldly. And that's why I knew they'd be the exact right person to create the artwork for this season of the podcast. We talk about how that came to be in a moment, but my ask was to look as if I was a steady rock in a mighty storm, and I had no idea just how big my own personal storm would be. Regardless, that image is so good, and I love it, and it was a thrill to get to work with MK. In addition to Deep Night, MK has worked with companies such as Netflix, Universal Studios, as well as participating in large-scale creative collaborations with companies like Lord & Taylor and the Special Olympics. Let's go now to my conversation with artist M.K. Cummins. M.K. Cummins, welcome to the deep night. Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad that you're here and uh, you're feeling all right uh, on the mend. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to, to hear. I'm happy to report. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Me now, too. Did you do any kind of uh, special healing rituals? Were there any crystals involved? Because uh, you were in California for a time, right? <laughs> I was in right? L.A. Yeah. yeah, I was in L.A. for the majority of the, uh, for for listeners, I, uh, I got a very nasty, unexpected case of COVID, a, a breakthrough case, as they're calling it. Although I feel like that is an unnecessary distinguish distinguishment distinguishing yes. fact because they're i mean you know they're all breaking through so anyway um <laughs> right a case is what case. you had it's a case it is yeah. a case. it was a full-blown case um yeah and i was in la for work and taking meetings and things and i had one day of bliss and then many many days of uh <laughs> whatever the opposite of hell whatever the opposite of bliss was yes no no yes. crystals no crystals i did get um lost in a sort of uh fever dream delirium that one could have maybe <laughs> could maybe call a psychedelic experience um yeah. but i wouldn't recommend it uh, <laughs> i think you could probably just like take mushrooms or something and have a, a much more <laughs> much more wonderful experience than that might might be an easier route to go yeah, yeah. get a yeah. sound bath or something without getting yeah, uh, debilitating a, disease right yeah. flotation yeah. tank or yeah i recommend all of that before <laughs> okay. i recommend getting a horrible case of COVID. Right, right. Now, to be fair, uh, going to LA could have that, even without the COVID, you could have beautiful, blissful days and days that are the opposite of bliss, <laughs> blissful. I lived yeah. there long enough uh, yeah. for a time to know that that is possible. Uh, but, um, uh, and, and gosh, that's so depressing to have gone from uh, the grayness of uh -huh. uh, Philadelphia, which is where you're, you're calling uh -huh. in from, uh, and where you're based. Uh, uh, to, to to after this long winter and things where it was a yeah. lot of gray rainy days to yeah. be in California finally and then to be <laughs> shut in I made it oh wait <laughs> yeah there was a the irony was not lost on me and and um not that LA has a lot of crappy days but uh they were just the most beautiful from what I could see out my window oh, oh gosh. of the shitty Airbnb that I was in. They looked just beautiful. Perfect, oh, pristine Los Angeles. No no smog, you know, just birds oh. chirping and yeah, it was a it was a taunt for sure. Yeah. Um really rubbing what, it in. Yeah, exactly. It's like yes. you you could go to the beach, but you won't. You know, right. you could do all of the things you've always wanted to do. Right. Um I did I did once I was no longer contagious, I did get myself up and went on a few long walks around the um, neighborhood I was staying in, which was actually a really lovely neighborhood. Again, I, you know, couldn't experience any of it, but uh, yeah, I had I had a little bit of sunshine, just not enough. Yes. Well, I hope you'll go back. Uh, oh yeah. 
or something. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm there all the time. It, it wasn't, I think it would be a lot more devastating if it was uh, once in a lifetime, <laughs> I'd saved all my money to go to Disney World kind of thing. But I'm there, you know, like probably at least four times a year um, for, for work anyway. And I actually have a show coming up in June at Super Chief Gallery there. I'm like in a group show. So Terrific. I'll be back for that. Yeah. Terrific. I feel as if your work would do very well in L.A. Well, you would you would be correct. That is a, <laughs> <laughs> how know? Look at it's that. Great... <laughs> I know I mean, some you're, things. You're sharp as a tack. You know, nothing gets by you. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, uh, when you were recovering or, or even sort of uh, in this post moment here as things are starting, did, did you do any great movie watching? Were you, you were paying attention <laughs> to things to just uh, spend the time, uh, to pass the time? Um, <clears throat> okay. Did I do great movie watching? That is a relative term. I did a lot of movie watching. (laughs) I actually really, so my my first plan, day one, I was sick, but I was still like kind of with it. So I had made this great, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to work. I'm going to draw. I'm going to, no, absolutely not. Um, And I I had, I'd reached out to some friends for like movie recommendations and got a lot of, you know, like criterion level stuff. And I was like, this is my moment. I'm going to do that that bucket list thing where you watch all the great movies that you've that have somehow gotten by you. Instead, I watched the Banger Sisters. Um, I watched uh, Practical Magic multiple times. Okay. All I right. watched, um, <laughs> I, I found out very quickly that I had no capacity, no bandwidth for great art. Um, all I wanted was <laughs> chicken, the chicken soup of movies and, and you know, like, I just wanted to be numbed, entertained, and taken away, and I had a great time doing that. That was its own cathartic experience. I, you know, I like, I'm a big lover of um, schlock and uh, <laughs> camp and corniness, <laughs> so I just kind of leaned into that, and yeah, that was that was its own healing thing. I did read a great book. I actually, speaking of uh, camp, I read a John Waters book that my creative partner um, lent to me that I really loved. I'm a, I'm a big fan of his. So sure. Role Models yeah. by John Waters yeah. is great. Oh, yeah. That's a great one. It's a good one. Yes. Yeah. He's great. But <laughs> I mean, I've had the occasion to meet him on uh, a few you? times and yeah. just lovely. Just lovely. I have the warmest spot in my heart for him. And for um, I just really like people that uh, it's like one thing to root for the underdogs. It's another thing to really celebrate the underdogs. And I think that he fills this really unique role in culture of celebrating weird and like and uplifting it you know in a way that isn't isn't uh like um the the kind of it, it's not it's not like i think marketing now and and entertainment is so how can we market to you and and what what role do you fill so if you're the weirdo or the alternative person or the queer person or whatever like you know that information is being mined all the time from, you know, every, every corner of the internet and, and all of your data. And, and John Waters is sort of the original person to like, honestly and earnestly like uplift and celebrate the weirdos of society without it feeling like a gross way to sell you stuff. So yeah. Big fan <laughs> yeah no. And does that have anything to do with your time in Baltimore? Oh no, actually completely unrelated, but it was, <laughs> uh, no, uh, yeah, but it was definitely, um, I lived there for three years. And during that time I was, I kind of like reintroduced to him. Um, cause he's, you know, he's the mayor essentially, like right, the cultural yes. mayor. And Favorite son. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> and that's, and you can, I mean, he just feels like Baltimore. I don't know if you spent any time there, but like, it is such a scrappy, cool, weird <laughs> 
you know, devastating place. Um, yes. You uh, could see how one would want to champion the underdog yeah, if you yeah, spent any time certainly, there. Certainly. Absolutely. Yeah. And for, you know, and, and, and uh, sort of um, poetically, I lived there after getting sober. So um, I, I, I had, you know, I'd never, <laughs> I had never set out with any kind of like grand plan to move to Baltimore and make my mark on the world. Uh, I accidentally wound up there. I was in New York for years and years before that. And I had gone to art school. I went to Parsons. Um, I was married at the time and um, had this whole other life and whole other idea about what life was and who I was. And then I ended up going to rehab in 2014 and picked a place at random on Google that was far enough away from New York that I could avoid everyone and everything I wanted to avoid um, <laughs> in order to get my shit together. But close enough that like, you know, family could visit if they wanted to. Uh, and right. that seemed that seemed like a good enough drive, good enough spot. So that seems yeah. like an uh, very well thought out plan to. <laughs> it's <laughs> I'm to glad recover it and emerge from that. Yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> I can't say I was like thoughtfully thinking about many things at that point in my life. It wasn't, yeah. it was more of a last minute scramble and it was the best, it was the most thoughtful decision I could have made at the time with my, with what was available to me. Uh, and, and, um, and they took my insurance. So there you go. Fair enough. Yeah. And then I just stayed there. I stayed there for a few years and kind of, started my life over again it's a good it's so, a really good place to start your life over i will say that yeah well it's interesting one of the questions that i've been asking all season is is mm -hmm. there a moment that you can identify where you really uh w was transformational right and usually i'm asking if that's in relation to uh specific loss either professionally yeah. or personally right um, and so i don't know if this if that would fit the bill or if, the, sure. if you have another example like that but my gosh that's got to be a huge <clears throat> Yeah, maybe the biggest one. I mean, yeah. probably. So I, it's funny, I, I haven't ever said this out loud, but I've been thinking about it a lot lately that I look at, because, you know, I've been in recovery for um, almost eight years and uh, I'm 33. So the majority of my kind of like adult life at this point, um, I was 24, 25, something like that when I got sober. I think I was 24 going on 25. But um, so I felt because all 24 year olds think they're grown all 24 year olds think of themselves as adults who know things who who know who they are who have you know and then 10 years later you realize you didn't know shit um and i'm assuming in another 10 years i'll feel exactly the same way but like so <clears throat> i felt at the time when i went to treatment and decided to change my life in this way that um i had lost a lot you know i thought like oh no, I'm losing my career and I'm, I've really fucked myself and I'm, how am I going to start over? Come to find out that like 24 is not the end all be all. Like, you, you know, I was two years, maybe two years out of college. Um, I had, and I felt like I was so behind. I felt like I was so, like, cause all of my peers, you know, were getting their lives together to the, to the, to the ability that a 24 year old can get their life together, meaning just getting entry level jobs and, you know, Whatever. Right. Right. Uh, and, and some uh, art world success, perhaps, or people were yeah, gaining like traction a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Little bits, little bits. At the time, what seemed like, you know, just just shooting off into the distance ahead of me, success wise. In reality, many of those people are either not making art anymore, in the same jobs, in a corporate field, you know, or they're just exactly at the same level, or you know, and, and not all of them. I mean, so some people, you know, do have success in their own right. Um, but it felt 
like a devastating blow I could like and a hole I could never climb out of. And I realize now um, and through the process of recovery that, oh, that's just being in your 20s. Like I went to rehab. Some people have devastating breakups. Some people have career changes. Some people have, you know, like that is the time to be making big, um, you know, kind of transformational life changes. So I look at it as like a BC AD kind of thing for me. Right. Where it's like there is the before times and then there's the after times. Um, so that that I mean just logistically must must be the biggest thing I've I've changed in my life. Um, yeah, I can and, measure and I, things by I it. I don't know how um, advanced <laughs> you felt your work was at that time, uh, but but do do you notice a shift um, that's yeah. very clear? Yeah, you must. I mean, again, I was pretty fresh out of art school, so I don't think anyone's really making their best work when they're young like that, no, period. Yeah. But no, I mean, and, and then the, just the pressures and intensity of going to a school. Um, you know, Parsons is a great school and, and, the, and it's competitive and, um, you know, it's 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 sort of in these this Ivy League of, of art education. And, and so you can't, by nature, make your best work in that kind of environment you're taking seven, you know, studio classes and you're, it's just, sure. a, it's a massive amount of work to have to do. Um, and you're, and the point is to learn. And I didn't see it that way. Like I, I, I wish that maybe it's different now, but I wish that, that higher education, undergrad higher education, especially in the arts would do a better job of really taking the pressure off and just letting people play. Cause you're spending a shitload of money to be there. And you know, the goal shouldn't be just to prepare you for the workforce. Obviously that that's a great benefit, but the point is that you really want to explore and experiment and, and find out what you like, what you don't like, get used to being critiqued. You know, there's so many incredible things that can come out of a learning environment. And it's maybe the problem is that I went to school in New York. So I was being taught by working professionals who were very just like, you know, this is what this is what you need to do to work immediately when you leave. And right. Because you need to pay rent. Sort of vocational <laughs> training. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Right. Right. Um, yeah. But I, but my work, I mean, who can I don't know what the fuck was my work at? that age it was well i guess uh, i guess the question really <laughs> is do, do you do you find after going through the the recovery process yeah. uh, and i don't know maybe the, the language i'm using is not correct there maybe that's just an ongoing thing but um did you feel like oh there's a different kind of confidence level oh, that yeah. you have that there's oh, a, yeah. Uh, yeah and so was it did it actually manifest in different kind of mark making different subject matter oh, or was it always um, um yeah, that's been a really that's a really interesting question because well what I can say is and I I've talked about this before but I think a lot of creative people who struggle with um addiction might feel this way like I had developed a system. Um I had developed a like a a, a ritual, right? Around getting high and making art. Um, and so my, a truly legitimate fear in getting sober was that I would not have the motivation or desire or, or, you know, imagination to make art anymore. And that scared the living hell out of me. Um, it was, it was a prime factor in not getting help is that I was like, I don't even know what my life looks like without this because I had been heavily, uh, medicated my entire life starting at like 14 when I was put on Adderall and, um, and, and never had a healthy relationship to any of that stuff. And then, you know, my, when I was a teenager, um, not to get too into like war stories or whatever, but when I was a teenager, I, you know, it was Soxycontin was the sort of drug of choice at the time. And then that was briefly heroin. And then I dried out and then I doctor shopped and prescription pills and blah, blah, blah. So like, for me, it was all about, um, it was all about like keeping 
it was all about maintenance. It's all about maintaining. It was, I didn't want to, I didn't, I was never like a huge, huge drinker. I actually didn't really love smoking weed because I didn't like the unpredictability of all of that. I liked the consistency that prescription drugs gave me. And, um, and that was directly tied to my work. So that was the routine. Like I would take the things, do the work. And without it, I didn't know who I was or what I was even capable of. And then when I got clean, I could not have been more wrong in, in that assumption. I mean, it, and I do think, and I've said this before too, but I do think that substances can have a profound effect on people in a positive way, you know? And I do think that there's like wonderful things that can come out of uh, psychedelic experiences and, and you know, all, all that shit. But like, I, I just didn't have a healthy relationship to it. And when I got clean, I was like, oh, I've just been completely suppressing my natural instincts. I, I need to mm. learn to grow up. I need to learn to develop, to hone my own um, creative voice and learn what kind of work makes me actually happy and, and not rely on these like touchstones, th these sort of chemically <laughs> uh, assisted moments of euphoria. I need to get it from the work. And... Um, so, I, I mean, I have a very clear, <clears throat> excuse me, memory of being in rehab and like sitting on this bench and I had a therapist there that was really wonderful and who knew I was an artist and was like, well, let's try some art therapy stuff. So she gave me a sketchbook and, and I had some colored pencils or something and I just like went crazy. Like I just drew for two days straight and felt, I mean, it was a like a, a, a <laughs> it's, it's its own form of kind of like euphoria and, and. I was like, oh, okay, I can I can transfer my intense desire for this kind of experience uh, into work and into art and into creativity. And that's a much healthier addiction for me. So <laughs> that's what I've been doing for the past, like, you know, almost decade. Um, yeah, the subject matter has the subject matter has just always changed. I mean, I've always been like sort of traditionally a portrait artist. And and then in my other career, I'm a, I'm a character designer. So it's all it's all you know, people. Um, so I, I'm right. really interested in, in storytelling, just in general storytelling in, in any kind of way I can. And I think if you're an artist that doesn't um, switch it up every once in a while, you're just doing yourself uh, and the people who support you kind of a, a disservice. I, you know, that's my personal feeling on it. I get very bored very easily. Is what I'm trying to say. Oh, right. Well, uh, uh, it it seems to me, uh, looking at the work and mm -hmm. understanding just a little bit of the process, somewhere in there is uh, a relationship to control, uh, and <laughs> uh, and the there. completely letting go and as you everything that you've really talked about, I think. But you mm -hmm. set up a system, work against the system. Uh, you yeah. you you set up a perhaps a very rigid thing. Even the portrait is a kind of like mm -hmm. it can be a very rigid thing. Yeah. And then you mess it up, and then you bring it back, and where you work digitally, but then you work yeah. uh, to erase it and print it. Um, right. Where does that sit for you? Does that does that uh, ring true that all <laughs> along there's this how much control to apply or to not apply That's or to really, resist? Yeah. Yeah, that's very, it's a very um, poignant observation because I don't think I've ever just, I don't think I've ever used the word control to describe the process, but I think you're right. It's about my own um, internal struggle to relinquish some control uh, and um, art seems like a, a safe place to do that. It also seems like a healthy place to work some of that stuff out and um, 
yeah, it kind of ticks all the boxes for me. You know, like I do get to be the ultimate in control, control freak that I am. I get to be the creator. I get to be the decider. I get to be all that stuff. And I get to mess up. You know, I get to um, push myself. I get to be very vulnerable and put things in a public space and get feedback. And, uh, you know, all, all the stuff I was really looking for um, through substances, I get through that. And, you know, where I'm at now um, in my career is I'm, I'm really, I mean, I, I will always paint and I will always be a fine artist, but I'm, I'm really primarily an illustrator and I'm primarily working in um, like v- visual development uh, and working in animation because that's my true love and it's what I actually went to school for super passionate about about children's entertainment and um incredibly one, controlled by the way yeah. <laughs> yeah and i think that to your point like that that is one of the things i felt was missing from my fine art practice is um i, I <laughs> this is funny i'm sort of figuring this out as i say it out loud but perhaps i you know it wasn't it's not challenging enough to be the only voice on a project i like working collaboratively i like um like I think that the best way to grow as an artist is to let in outside voices. You know, I think that I have seen people with great talent um, and points of view get stale because they're just not pushing themselves because, because they're just, it's just all them. It's all their ideas. It's all their voice. You get to a certain level and people stop giving you honest feedback. And so you just kind of, you know, if you get recognized for one thing, you you feel this pressure, especially as an artist, financially, socially, whatever, to like keep making the same kind of work. And especially if it's if it's lucrative or if it's paying your bills. And um, I just got really like um, bored of it. And, and I didn't think I was um, I, I didn't like it was actually like it was it's it's too much control. It was too I, I found my limit with it. it was, it's all me. It's all my my choice. Uh, I need to I want to evolve both as a person and as an artist and I think like as I started to get more serious about therapy and and personal growth stuff um and as my recovery process continued I realized that I didn't need as much of that and I actually really really wanted to get better through collaboration um which is that's the whole recovery model right like if you're in any sort of 12-step program or whatever it's like the whole point is turning it over the whole point is that your desire to fix, manage, and control um, is sort of what got you in this position in the first place. So the best thing you could do is hand it over, whether it's, you know, God or any sort of higher power or spiritual whatever. For me, it's often just the act of letting it go is is a spiritual practice a lot of the time. And um, yeah, and that that's directly like mirrored in the work that I'm, I'm making right now, I think. Yeah. For some people, it's crystals and essential oils. <laughs> yeah. Right. <For laughs> and me. multi-level marketing schemes. Mark yeah, <laughs> sure. You know, it takes all kinds. You it just, takes you gotta all love, kinds. You got to love what you do. All yeah. are welcome. <laughs> um, a, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. This is a bit of a side note, but it's relevant. I, my funniest and worst plane experience was going to Los Angeles, and I got seated next to a, um, a essential oils saleswoman who was blackout drunk at 7.30 in the morning, trying to sell me essential oils. <laughs> Talking very loudly about how she proudly uh, vaped in the uh, the restroom just a moment ago. Wow. Uh, even though it was a federal offense. So that, yeah, that's a fun one. <laughs> she she might have some issues of control herself. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's, it's inarguable in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Well, I hope you signed up. 
Of course. Oh, that's yeah. actually why I agreed to do the podcast. Yeah. I don't, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you have any, you know, needs in your life that could be soothed by peppermint oil, but. Oh, do I? <laughs> do I have a package for you? <laughs> I tell you, uh, yeah, peppermint oil, you got to be careful, though. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't go everywhere. But anyhow, uh, I, I, um, you mentioned the word vulnerable before and mm -hmm. vulnerability. And uh, I, I was struck uh, with uh, that word and you because uh, I, I, my experience only through social media and, and right. working with you, but right. is that you uh, are very open and oh. uh, uh, on and very almost porous, it would seem, uh, <laughs> on some of Thank the platforms. <laughs> well, yes, and, yeah. and, and that kind of gets at it, that, that inquisitive uh, note there, uh, because I, I sometimes find myself um, worried. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> for you. Because um, uh, there seems to be, even like this trip to L.A., where yeah. there's like a dark cloud that moves in, or... or uh, something happens with the building or something is going, oh, yeah, it's going on here and there. It, it seems like there has been a lot. And, and uh -huh. I hope that's just a condition of uh, 2020, 2021 madness yeah, and that we're, we're emerging out of this. Right. Um, I think uh, that's accurate. Um, thanks for worrying about me. It's nice to know people care. <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> you were really going through it. It really <laughs> so. was. Yeah, maybe I should be less vulnerable. I don't know. It doesn't feel like a... It, I've, lately, I have been a little less online, just period, because because um, I don't I, th I think the, the the net gain isn't there anymore for me. Um, so you know, I'm just trying to preserve my energy for for things offline. But um, yeah, I mean, like you know, I've gone through phases of being much like super open to less open, and I think right now, I mean, it has yeah, I mean, it it has it absolutely in, in the interest of vulnerability it's been kind of a tough start to the year for sure um i injured myself i was training for uh a 5k at the beginning of the year which was really difficult i got covid <laughs> there's been issues at my building i mean it's you know i've been going through it for sure um i i think but i mean the 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 truth of the matter is i'm great i'm happy i've got you know <laughs> that's good i'm my glad life. to hear it. <laughs> I'm, i mean all the things you would want I'm fabulous friends i love my work you know life's fucking great um but I think that we're just not used to people being vulnerable for no reason. Um, I think that like from vulnerable for vulnerability's sake, because there's this kind of language surrounding vulnerability, again, to my earlier point of like radical self-love and self-care. And there's a whole market behind being tender and being vulnerable and taking up space and all these other buzzwords, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I find all that really gives me a headache. I find all of it mostly bullshit, mostly, um, I, I think that we mistake, uh, I think we mistake presence for like empowerment, meaning just because we can put ourselves out there doesn't mean we're actually in, in control. doesn't mean we're actually being empowered because if you really want to get into it, we're being literally completely taken advantage of on a daily basis by all the things we voluntarily do. Right. Every single time we, we sign on to Instagram, we post our work or we talk about our struggles we're giving free content, free every, you know, all of our information away and that we're, we are always vulnerable. We're more vulnerable than we've ever been in that regard. Right? right. We don't have, we don't hold on to anything anymore. That's just ours. So for me, I think like talking about a thing that's happening in my personal life within reason, I mean, there's, there's plenty of stuff that I, you know, would not put online. It's, yeah, no, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not putting, you know, yeah, there's plenty of stuff that stays with me, but 
there's certain things where it's like, you know, this is a real struggle I'm having in my real life. And I know we're all going through it to some degree. So it's not like I think I'm doing some great service to my followers or whatever. But uh, it it it's the pain shared is pain lessened mentality, which is another kind of recovery thing. I guess I'm kind of making that connection now that it, a lot of what recovery teaches you to do is to um, be open, honest and vulnerable when it is necessary and when it could help other people and to um, ask for help, you know, and to like not be afraid of, of that, of, not be afraid of vulnerability. So, yeah, I mean, um, I appreciate that. Yeah, good. That's a good impulse and a good way to yeah. way to consider it. Um, and as a Libra, I'm very appreciative of dualities <laughs> whenever I encounter them. And so the, all of these things, this sort of back and forth between yeah. um, control, vulnerability, letting things go, mm. um, uh, making yourself available. That's mm, interesting. Having a resistance to all of those things. Uh, I I'm wonder fascinated if that by is... That. Yeah, I'm kind of wondering if that's so I, I'm 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 in this like amends state of mind recently, just thinking about making amends to myself. Forget other people. I mean, yes, that's a part of it. But I've really been thinking about like the work I'm doing as an illustrator and the work I'm doing for um, specifically like for children as an amends to my younger self. And I almost wonder if my willingness to talk about these things openly in a public setting is another kind of immense because so much of my what, what got me into rehab was my complete unwillingness to let people know what was really going on with me um because you know that was uh, i before i got clean my uh my next best guess was to go to jail i'm i mean i'm serious i was like maybe if i go to jail i can um be taken out of the environment long enough but i can at least detox and <laughs> I don't know. I like I, I just I had buried myself under so much um, chaos and uh, destruction that I did not even know where to start. I didn't know where to go. I did not know how to say I need help because I was like, what do I even start with? Is it my addiction? Is it, uh, you know, my my financial problems? Is it my marriage? You know, like it just all was a problem. So now it's just it, it feels like the right thing to do. Um, to, to, to be willing to like share some of that stuff with people. And I also think that like, <clears throat> I think that sharing the wins is vulnerable too, right? Like I think that it's really easy to commiserate and it's really easy to um, connect with people through pain <laughs> and trauma, but it's equally as important right now to realize that like, if there's good stuff going on, that's, that's, um, that's a kind of vulnerability to be like, I'm excited about this. I'm excited. It might not work. I'm nervous. I'm at, you know, like that's all, that's all, um, th stuff that, that I'm trying to put out there too. It's like, there's good stuff going on and it's, uh, you know, equally as vulnerable. It might just not be as, as like juicy or something. <laughs> right. But, Certainly yeah. doesn't get talked about in the same uh, degree. Right. And I, uh, yeah. f uh, first of all, I appreciate and honor the things that you've shared just now and, and all uh, uh, that uh, part of your journey. Mm -hmm. uh, it is important to, to one, to take stock, to identify, then yeah. to also re reflect back for yourself, for others. Um, the other piece, I mean, amplifying the winds and the joy, mm -hmm. gosh, not that I have a small part in it, but that is what I like to do. And I yeah, get excited about course. people like yourself. I say, let, yeah. come on, let's talk about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I love what you're doing. doing. Yep. Yeah, this yes. is all part of it. 
I mean, you know, it's easy to downplay your own accomplishments, but like people, when I had COVID, I was, you know, like I said, I wasn't watching Criterion movies. I was watching whatever, you know, I was watching these that just made me happy. I was just looking for like, looking for, for comfort, relief, a giggle, whatever, um, I, all over the place in all these different ways. And you never know like what it is that you're doing that is that for people. Um, when I have talked about recovery, you know, like when my, when my sobriety date rolls around, I usually take myself on a little trip or I do something with my partner and, um, the messages I get are just so beautiful. You know, people that like have had similar experiences, whether it be addiction or mental illness or whatever, or just like, you know, they could be personally currently trying to get clean or like have lost someone to it or, you, you know, um, and I think like you, you just don't, I'm not, I'm not a famous person, but you know, I have some people that care about what I do and that's enough. And, and, and it's amazing what sticks with people. It's amazing um, what your contribution is and how that affects things you can't even, you know, know at the time. And you're, you're doing that too. I mean, that's what this is. It's, it's a contribution. We're trying, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're doing it. That's we're succeeding. Right. That's right. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the proof is in the pudding. Like we're having a conversation. This is, you know, us succeeding. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, I, of course, am uh, so happy and grateful that you were open to the <laughs> collaboration so uh, really that we did uh, together. Um, truly yeah. how we connected. Uh, when you made mm -hmm. the artwork for the podcast. Um, I wondered if you could tell me what that was like, uh, interpreting yeah. what I was asking <clears throat> for. Um, well, I was I was really excited about it because uh, I most of the illustrative work that I do is much more s sort of character, like cartoony, for lack of a better word, right? Much more in that vein of, of animation and traditional kind of like, you know, um, what Character one might think of when you think of animation. Right, or, yeah, yeah. It was flat two-dimensional two things. And, um, but then, then I have this, so I split lives and then I have this other work as a fine artist where I paint much more traditionally, you know, rendered things. And this seemed like such a cool opportunity to kind of marry those ideas. Um, and you were so like, you were so open to let me do my thing, which I really appreciated. But also like, you know, in the, like, in, in the spirit of what we were talking about, it was a cool collaborative process. You gave me the rundown. You told me about what you do and who you are and, you know, what elements to include and what the story is. And then I got to visually storytell. So for me, it seemed like, okay, you're already coming into the project, knowing my work and liking it. That's great. We're off to a good start because I didn't <laughs> right. sell you on the idea of what I do and how I do it. Um, and, and you've given me enough parameters that I'm not like, oh shit, I have no idea what to do, which is, I mean, people are like, oh, I love when I get a client that's like, do your thing. Yeah. To a degree. But the reality yeah. is like, no, I liked, I like parameters. I work much better when I have, a, you know, yeah. don't, please don't give me complete creative control. I can't <laughs> no, handle it. It's too much. I just can't handle it's it. It's too much. It's way too much. I <laughs> really relate much. to that because if I'm yeah. given just a blank page and anything goes, Forget it. it's so hard. But if I even. It's so hard and it won't get done. <laughs> no, just... no. Just a word yeah. is enough <laughs> sometimes. Uh -huh. Well, know? I mean, when I take on private commissions, which is, you know, a decent amount of my living um, for, for paintings, like I, at this point, I'm really lucky to have collectors and people that just like my work. And so a lot of the time, maybe half the time, it's people that are like, I just want a piece of yours. And I'm like, great, cool. So <laughs> could you maybe like, what are we talking about here? 
Um, so I've just come, I, I've set up a system for myself with work where if someone says something like that to me, I just kind of force their hand a little bit to set parameters where I'll say like, okay, so let's talk about a deadline. And I get this a lot where people will say, oh, I'm not in any rush. And it's like, I know that, but I am <laughs> for two reasons. One, um, I will lose momentum and enthusiasm. I just know that about myself. So I need to make it tight enough that I can stay on track, but not so, not so tight that I'm killing myself over it, but not long enough that I'm going to, you know, my brain's going to go somewhere else. And just financially, I don't think people really kind of understand what it's like to be a full-time freelancer. And it is very challenging. So it's like, great that you're not in a rush, but you have to understand that like, I don't get paid. I get paid half up front, half at the end, sometimes hundred percent up front, depending on the, you know, the contract or the parameters. So if I'm only, if <laughs> that's my motivation, if we're being hundred percent honest. So like, if you're not in a hurry, cool, but like, I don't want to wait six months for the rest of it. Like, I want to do it. I right. want to set, set the timeline. So, so yeah, that's been something I've been a little stronger about. Um, and I also just think usually people who say do whatever you want don't actually mean that. And that's, I want to save everyone the heartache of me just doing whatever <laughs> and then having someone go, oh, but I didn't mean like that. I didn't mean that. <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, no, with you, it was like, I saw an opportunity to kind of, um, to storytell, uh, which is, you know, sort of what you're doing, you're, you're, you're storytelling and also helping other people tell their stories. Sure. So I kind of looked at it at like, oh, I can use my traditional skill set, but also I can pull in some of the things I really like designing the pigeon and thinking about the environment and all that stuff was like, was, it was a really cool, um, get, uh, uh, bridge over the two worlds that I inhabit. And I just had a lot. I mean, I genuinely had a lot of fun making. I really, really did. And right. I really like drawing pigeons. I really think they're, they're cool. fun. Yeah. <laughs> they're really yeah. Great. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and because I don't know that I've said it, but um, to anybody but you, but the, the things that I said were I was kind of a rock of Gibraltar, kind of mm -hmm. that prudential ad. Uh, yeah. And, and, and you, <laughs> yeah. you had kind of come back with a, maybe an eighties sci-fi adventure right. uh, thing. Right. <clears throat> and, uh, that was really, I mean, other than our conversation, oh, we talked a little bit about some of the elements, like maybe you could fit a pigeon in there. Um, right, right. And uh, I didn't realize how stormy my life would become after <laughs> asking yeah. you to paint me as this thing of stability. But you did it so beautifully. Um, were Thank there revisions you. along the way? Were paths that were not taken? Or is the way yeah. that you work, yeah. you get it and you say, okay, I'm just going to resolve from here does well, it happen within I mean, the piece itself it depends on everything um so I mean, <laughs> fair enough <laughs> it depends on everything just like yeah, everything yeah timeline um flexibility uh a medium i'm using um, and, and and also just sometimes i mean sometimes i go into something with such a clear vision that i might do a sketch or two you know a, a thumbnail or two and then i'm like it's just gonna I, I know i have the confidence that it will figure itself out as i go yeah with paintings especially with paintings i don't really dwell that much because that's the beauty of that medium is that it's the process is i the process is just as much a part of the end result as the finished piece if that makes sense so mm -hmm. like you know starting somewhere and letting it take you wherever it's going to go or getting inspired by something midstream um all of that is uh, is the job is letting the process like dictate some things with illustration, you know, every everything has a place and purpose and painting is more about other people interpreting it 
using what you've given them and then them walking away from it and interpreting it how it's meaningful in their own lives illustration is kind of the opposite illustration is like it needs to convey and and um certain things it has to hit certain points it has to hit this demographic and whatever so it's it's almost like reverse engineering it's like you already know what the end result is going to be and what you want to make people think about and feel so how do we best most effectively and creatively uh you know storytell and honestly i have found i actually like that better uh part of it is the parameter piece but part of it is like i like um i like i like problem solving a lot and i think that there there's with painting it's like um a lot of it is just working your own shit out so it is problem solving but it's like you know emotional problem solving and it might feel it was, unresolved you, more uh, often usually than not. more often than not it, that's why you keep doing it that's why you make the next piece because you're like i actually know less now than when i started um, right that's but, a that's a 50 year task right that's a, oh yeah that's just a forever thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> whereas yeah. the other one's right. like i'll do it and yeah get it done. exactly and it's like, and I might not even like with, with you, it's like, I'm not even necessarily telling my own story. I'm telling, I'm, I'm, I am using my vision to assist someone else's. And that I, I, again, I think that's where the best stuff comes from. When two people with two great visions can come together or multiple people, a team of people, whatever, you know, and like work towards the greater good. And <laughs> it's all, it's very political. It's like, it, it, it's as I've gotten older, I've gotten far more radical and far more um, <laughs> like progressive and, and y- you know, s- socialist and <laughs> all the things that I thought I was going to become that I was told I wouldn't be as as an adult. You get more conservative. And that's just not been the case for me. But um, this this work is is like a it's community. It's like a, these are like, you know, an entire creative community coming together to like get somewhere, tell a story create a vision, hopefully impact people positively, change hearts and minds, all this great stuff. And it's just my wheelhouse. It's like, I wish I had, I wish I was more of a, of a um, practical, like pavement beating activist. And I do some, you know, I, I certainly, I certainly do more than I was younger, but I also have come to f- figure out that this is my, this is my language and this is my gift for lack of a better word. And it's, probably the most effective way I can give back or fight back or whatever is to make things that are hopefully reaching younger people and hopefully um, at the very least doing what happened to me during COVID, which is like spread a little joy Uh, because that is an act of protest, honestly. Choosing to be happy right now, I think is a bit of a rebellion. And if you can integrate all of that into just the way that you work and the way that you move through the world even, uh, well, then mm-hmm. you are having a positive impact, and that's a, right. that's a wonderful thing. Um, yeah, I, I feel a little uh, selfish going back to me, but what was the hardest part <laughs> of capturing <know>. me? <laughs> oh, I mean, you're a doll, so it was just a, a breeze. It a wasn't breeze. At all. <laughs> um, I mean, the hardest part with any portraiture is honoring someone without insulting them i think because it's like i you know i personally the type of work i like to make is ugly um just i I like painting (laughs) what even in my character design work like it's hard for me to draw things that are like correct or cute or you know like i don't have this like i'm really drawn to the john waters of the world you know like i'm really drawn to 
characters. I'm really drawn to crooked noses, bad teeth, messy hair. I just, that's the fun stuff. And it's fun to draw and it's, it, it tells stories just, you know, in and of itself. And so, um, you know, my, if I had it my way, everyone would look hideous in everything I drew um, <laughs> because I just think that's more interesting and fun and you can interpret things from it. And, um, <laughs> but obviously like, that's not really, that, that's not, you can't get away with that all the time. But I, I, I wanted to honor the storytelling and put you in a, in the right environment and get the right tone. I think like the palette and, and, you know, look and feel and everything and make it, um, whimsical, silly, dark, all the stuff that I think you are. And that I think the show is while not being, while not turning you into Jafar from Aladdin or something, you know, like I had to, <laughs> Yes. I appreciate <laughs> that choice. <laughs> <laughs> or Rasputin or whatever, you know, right, right. I had to, I had to make it tasteful at the same time. Yes. Um, and that the problem, the, the hardest part about capturing you is me, is my, is, <laughs> is my, is reining my own self in. And that's true for literally anybody. Um, as far as actual, like drawing you is so fun. You've got a great face and you're, you're already so full of character and this, the, 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 the show and the story have such a great point of view that like, that was the easy part. You know, that was, that was all a lot of fun. Well, I'm yeah. blushing. <laughs> <laughs> that's again, why you actually asked me on. So that that's, I just blow smoke up your ass. That's right. The, the next time Mission accomplished. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, well, uh, I just think it's terrific. And um, well, I, I know uh, many times when someone will, will do it, another artist or something, I encourage them put more gray in or put the extra <laughs> freckle or mole or it, right, 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 it, right. it needs a little more color than what you're doing. Yeah. And, and you certainly right. put it all in there and it was, well, uh, it was great. Um, and uh, I think you kind of hinted at this question already in terms of what a dream project might be, because I think it's mm. actually what you said about a, a way of working and to be yeah. open to those collaborations and to, yeah. to, to move through with some great, thought and integrity mm -hmm. uh, behind the work and community as being part of yes. it. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. All those things. All are those the things. Dream. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if I may ask, are you a night owl or are you a morning person? Um, I'm becoming kind of a morning person uh, in my, <laughs> you know, older, not old, but like just as I've gotten older, I used to be a nocturnal art person who would start work at 5 p.m. and go until 3 um, and then as I sort of switched from just being a painter to being an illustrator again, I was like, well, that's completely impractical. I need to be awake for 9 a.m. meetings and like emails. And yeah, so um, that was part of it. Uh, and then the other part of it is that I just have found that I um, I like my I, I like that my energy and motivation rises like as with like the natural rhythms of the day, if that makes sense. So I I. I usually will wake up at ideally seven is my is my perfect wake up time, Ooh, because yeah. if I'm starting by nine, that gives me two straight hours to just um, get with it. You know, like as the day is kind of waking, like waking up, I like to be waking up at the same time. I don't know if it's complete woo woo nonsense, but like it just naturally feels I feel healthier, more focused. And I usually sleep better if I'm if I'm letting myself kind of like ride the, 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 the day, the natural arc of the day. So I'm most motivated around like one, two and three, and then things kind of slow down a little bit. Um, which isn't to say I can't kill myself and work all night. Cause I <laughs> do all the time and still have to sometimes, you know, for deadline purposes, 
But in my ideal world, I'm waking up naturally early. I'm making myself breakfast, which I do every morning. That's become like a big, big thing in the pandemic is like taking care of my, my physical well-being um, because I do work so intensely and I do take such shit artist care of myself in so many other ways. So like the least I can do is make a nice meal for myself in the morning. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Get off to a good yeah. side. Well, as I age, yeah. I find I have, I used to be a night owl. And then for a mm -hmm. little while, I thought, oh, I could be productive in the mornings. No. <laughs> now it's just there's maybe an hour midday. Right. <laughs> where, yeah. 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 Where I mean, it's okay. And the rest of the time yeah. is. I've got my, yeah, it's the like witching hour where I'm like, oh, I feel great. I'm going to, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to reorganize, like where I just get like a wind of motivation. And yes. And yeah, this is, is that goes. hour right now. And we're hitting <laughs> so it right I'm now, glad, baby. I'm glad. You're, getting, you're getting peak me <laughs> right so, now. I'm so glad. I'm sorry to everyone else that I owe emails to or whatever today. You're all shit out of luck. <laughs> yes. Uh, well. <laughs> yeah. well, it's not to say that my 7 a.m. is my most productive time. It's just the time I, 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 I hate rushing and I have to do a lot of it. If, because of my ADHD and just the nature of my work, I'm constantly scrambled. And... It doesn't feel good. I never, it, yeah, it doesn't help my focus issues. So if I give myself a solid two hours to, to f fuck around and lollygag, then I can like be okay with that. And it, it, that's part of my process. So if I, if I pad lollygag time in to my day, I'm, I'm better off for it. You know, just like knowing my limitations in that way. <laughs> Lollygagging is important. <laughs> yes. Part of the process. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I'm so, uh, happy to have learned so much about your process and all the things that you're thinking about and all that is active for you as yeah. you as you create work um so thank you for that um you said you have the show coming up in la in june are there some other things <clears throat> we should be looking out for oh um well yeah so i'm uh i am in a it's a group show it's a, it's a big group show at super chief gallery la and it's their 10-year anniversary show so it's actually it should be a blast it should be a lot of fun there's like a crazy insanely impressive lineup of artists and i'm just one little fleck in that well no <laughs> come on talented lineup. Um, we honor our know. wins you could be not yes, on yes, the lineup yes. at all right that's true yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's absolutely true so that's coming up that's i think it's june 10th um i'm pretty sure it's june 10th uh it's i'm excited i will be there physically in person for that um let's see what else do i have going on right now i have as always i have you know things for sale in my big cartel shop. I've got pieces at Arch Enemy Arts in Philadelphia. Um, and people can find else? you for commissions if they, if they yeah, want, when yeah, you're yeah, open yeah. to mean, those kind of things. Totally. Yeah. I, the, yes. Um, I'm, I'm taking on a lot, like I said, a lot of uh, sort of longer term freelance projects and, and illustrative things. That's really, I mean, there's things to look for if you follow me on social media, but the reality is a lot of the things that are kind of on my plate are in various stages of either development or, um, you know, the hush hush portion of things or, or, or like taking meetings, blah, 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 whatever. It's not interesting. Um, if, if all, it's, <laughs> it just makes you sound like a dick to talk about. Oh, I've got so much going on. No, but yeah, great. I have a lot of cool shit coming up and um, I'll, you know, tell you when I get there, basically, <laughs> when I'm capable of doing that. That's a deal. But yeah, find me on Instagram and talk to me if you want my work or if you want to commission me for something, for sure. Terrific. MK, thank you so much. Thanks for being here. Thank you for oh. being a friend. <laughs> talk to you later. Okay. Bye-bye. Truly an exceptional artist making work that is beautiful and of the moment and strange. All the best things. Check out their site, mkcummins.com, 
for more. And once again, my thanks to MK for their phenomenal design that is the calling card for this season of the podcast. Friends, thank you for letting me share so much with you these past few weeks. We have such great shows coming up, and these discussions have meant a great deal and continue to mean a great deal to me. In the image that MK made, I asked to be that rock in the storm, but I think you're all proving to be the rocks in my storm, so I appreciate that, and I appreciate you. Okay, well, lots of feelings this week. Let's all load up on allergy medicine and do our best to remember that although this night is ending, a bright new day is just ahead. Deep Night with Dale is independently produced, written, and performed by James Bewley. Season 14 artwork by M.K. Cummins. Season 14 theme features lyrics and vocals by Kylie Lotz, music by Austin Lotz, and mixing by Zach Robbins. It's never too late to give Dale a positive review while hitting subscribe on Apple Podcasts. But you can also tune in to Dale's Frequency on Stitcher, Podchaser, SoundCloud, and Spotify, wherever you are. Dale's right there with you. To get in touch with mindfulness tips, positive reinforcement, or just to say hello, email Dale directly at daleradio at gmail.com. Be sure to follow him on Instagram by looking up at Dale Seaver. From our being to yours, thank you for visiting The Deep Night. <laughs>